welcome to TFS Season, a show on Top Film Society where we celebrate the holiday season with double features with hosts from around the network. I'm Lee Hutchison and joining me is James Barrett, one of the hosts of the Steve and Destroy podcast, looking at the filmography of Steven Seagal. James, welcome back to TFS The Season. Thank you for having me back. It's good to be here and uh, talking about movies I like. Yeah, we were just talking that off air that your first double feature that you did was Jingle All the Way 1 and 2, and I, I remarked that you're probably the only person to have ever watched Jingle All the Way 2. So, um, yeah, that's definitely going to be an achievement. You're going a bit more mainstream with this double bill. Yeah, yeah, a little less indie. <laughs> yeah. So for the fifth day of Christmas, we're celebrating with the family, the Scott family, that is Ridley Scott and the late great Tony Scott, and reviewing Enemy of the State and Prometheus. So first up, we're going with Enemy of the State. So a hotshot Washington criminal lawyer, played by Will Smith, becomes a target of rogue security executive, videotaped in the act of murdering a congressman, when an incriminating tape is slipped into his shopping bag by a videographer who is fleeing the executive's assassins. So James, was this a first time watch for you, or was this diving into sort of a, a bit of a rewatch? No, this is uh, this is definitely a first time watch for me. Uh, actually, part of what uh, appealed to me about this double feature, though, is it's something that's been on my watch list for a while. It's one I've been meaning to get to. So I was like, this will this will make me watch it. This will really uh, push me over the line instead of me just being like, I should watch that someday. Uh, but it was a first time, for sure. Yeah, this was the first time I'd watched it probably since maybe the year after it came out. I remember renting this one on, on VHS from, from Blockbuster Video, like a Saturday night rental. It was a bit of, it feels like such a, like along with a lot of the things in this film, like it felt like a throwback to the 90s, thinking about that memory where like I lived in this little rural village in Scotland and like to go visit the video rental store was like a 30 mile round trip. So like any film that you wanted and it was like one day rentals, you'd be thinking like, this film has to be so good that we've come here, then we'll have to come back the next day and basically do a 60 mile round trip to watch Enemy of the State. So <laughs> it felt really odd to be kind of thinking about those kind of memories like 20 years on from it. Oh man, the pressure of the pressure put on Enemy of the State. <laughs> so what was your kind of reaction? Because like, obviously this has been paired as sort of like a Christmas kind of double feature what did you kind of know about sort of enemy of the state going in and what kind of christmas element did you maybe suspect going in to a film like this uh well all i really knew was the cast and then of course tony scott um i i, I was confused i mean confused is a little bit of a strong word but yeah i i definitely wasn't prepared for it to be like particularly Christmassy, and so I didn't even know it had any Christmas elements. I kind of expected it to be a uh, a Shane Black-esque, like, this movie's not about Christmas, but it takes place at Christmas, which is pretty pretty much what it turned out to be. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't go into it expecting it to have, like, a, a particular Christmas moral to it. No, I, I think the key kind of Christmas element is that Will Smith's hotshot lawyer is out kind of Christmas shopping, buying lingerie, and when that video kind of gets sneaked in, and that's kind of as tenuous as it gets. It almost feels like a little bit of a slightly falling down style kind of movie in the build up to Christmas. Everything's going wrong. The credit card is getting declined. The house gets trashed. Someone's raiding through your kind of Christmas presents. Like anything that could go wrong in the run up to Christmas is going wrong going wrong but it 
definitely doesn't feel like much of a kind of Christmas movie or sort of Christmas imagery. As you say, it's that Shane Black vibe of just like, it takes place at Christmas. Yeah, it gives a little extra, a little extra flavor, a little spice, a little Christmas spice. It's one of those things, like I, I touched on it earlier, like it sort of felt like a real throwback to kind of the, the 90s in a, a way. Like for me, it feels like a real mix of like feeling incredibly dated as a 90s movie, but sort of like some of the themes about the film, sort of about privacy, phones, etc. Like it feels timeless at the same time as well. I mean, it's imp- I think it's impossible for, and I, I'm not, I dare I assume for yourself, it's hard not to laugh at the end of the film where they're like, well, that's it. We've sort of busted the idea that there's going to be any sort of <laughs> privacy issues in the future. And someone's like, well, we'll maybe kind of see about that. And boy, boy, was that an understatement. It just seems so amusing, that kind of last line about sort of whole the whole privacy issue. No, it, it definitely, it feels very 90s, but it also feels very like 1998. Like if you can tell that it is right on the cusp of the 2000s both in terms of just like the overall feel of the movie and the look and then um certainly a lot of those sort of things about privacy um weren't so much uh i guess intentional (laughs) that it would feel so relevant you know later but it definitely you're like there's no way that this movie was made after 9-11 like you can feel that in like every frame yeah it's been interesting as well watching like i kind of recently like it's been here we are sort of like seven months maybe more into kind of lockdown now and i during that time i revisited 24 season seven and I, I kind of put on my like timing thing i don't know if you're a 24 fan but like season seven is about this sort of like Washington insider played by John Voight that goes like properly mad and starts going on sort of like a killing spree trying to cover up his antics and his crimes and sort of seeing his sort of persona over the past few years of becoming this like right-wing nutter on social media which Mm -hmm. could apply to many sort of celebrities at the moment but it was highly amusing to kind of watch him sort of go towards that turn of like being that sort of like suited up quiet style kind of psychopath in Washington he's he's certainly become that character I feel in in more ways than sort of the past couple of decades as well yeah no you're you were actually you're like speaking my language there I was talking about how this was something I've been wanting to watch for a while and that really comes down to uh John Voight I have what I feel like is a controversial opinion where I I really like John Voight um it is tough because he is uh, every day doing more and more things that make it harder for me to really like him. But I, I, I think he's a great actor and I think he's a great villain. Uh, I am a 24 fan and I was like, yes, absolutely. Bring up 24 season seven, because that's when I was like, John Voight, you know, he's not a, he's not a good dude, but uh, he sure can play a bad dude too. Um, so that was actually really what appealed to me about this was seeing John Voight in a in another villain role. Yeah, I thought he was he was really good because he even like sort of felt like the '90s kind of villain at the time. I remember sort of like things like Anaconda kind of coming along, mm-hmm. and just like he, he is really good at being kind of of bad, really. But it was just felt so surreal just watching like people running around like chasing after like videotapes and sort of I I just. Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. And sort of like Will Smith continuing sort of that '90s kind of leading man kind of progression. Sort of only like a couple years after sort of Independence Day, it was just it felt 
nice to watch but i think what surprised me probably going in a little bit to prometheus as well was like the film was like two hours 12 minutes like that film has no right to be two hours 12 minutes like (laughs) i reckon enemy of the state would probably be better if it was like this lean kind of 90s 90 minute kind of film it just felt like it was a bit on the bloated side at points no, I, I 100% agree. I think that like they've got to either go like a tight 90 or just go all in and make it like three hours, but throw in a lot more um, kind of in-depth backstories and kind of sp- spend a lot more time with these characters because it does have a lot of moving pieces. But like I, I think that things like we, we spend a good amount of time with uh, Jason Lee as that videographer. And then... Um, we don't, you don't really spend that much time with any of the other supporting cast. Um, kind like you get close with like Jack Black, but he ends up being a pretty important part of the movie. And I just felt like if we had spent more time delving into all of those kind of more minor roles, then it would justify that runtime more, and you could actually go over. But as it is right now, it definitely I was feeling that runtime by the end. I was feeling it. You feel to talk about it as well. Like, Gene Hackman is, like, I thought he was going to be in it much more than he was. Like, he sort of comes in about sort of halfway through and then sort of seems to dip in and out for, like, periods of the film as well. Like, I was I was really surprised about that kind of going back to the film. Oh, I, yeah, that's, that's a great point. I actually was wondering, because I, I don't remember any of the marketing. I was, like, barely cognizant when this movie came out. I'm, like, a baby. Um, but... I was wondering if it was like almost like supposed to be a twist. Like now he's all over the poster and stuff, so I, I kind of assumed it wasn't. But his reveal is late enough, and they like try and um, do kind of a little bit of a fake out with the other guy supposedly being Hackman's character. And I was like, is this supposed to be like a twist that Hackman's in it? Is this like a, a surprise role because he shows up so late? I always remember him, like, I never saw it in the cinema, but I obviously got it on, on video rental. But I definitely remember his face being on the on the kind of VHS. Like, I always just assumed he was sort of, like, the kind of second leading man in this. Because, like, suppose you don't put, like, Gene Hackman in a film like that and, and probably the wage that he was on as well to kind of just, like, kind of use him probably as, like, a twist, I think. But, um, yeah, it, it was... That did surprise me kind of going back but did you sort of feel in the christmas spirit after watching enemy of the state um you know relatively compared to the next movie we're talking about yes um, which actually might be this like not the turn you'd expect but i i felt like this made me feel not like literally i guess the christmas spirit but the same sort of basic feelings you associate with the christmas spirit it's pretty heartwarming and you know it's a nice little bow and it's kind of like okay well now let's all get hot chocolate with the family as we're all leaving the theater we had a good time watching the thriller uh it's not you know i wasn't thinking about christmas super literally but it, it gives you the same kind of overall emotional uh kind of the emotional end point so kind of diving into now our, our kind of second film of sort of our Scott family kind of Christmas, we're going with Prometheus. So this is one of the films that might cause an argument at the 
Christmas table and <laughs> uh, at the dinner table on Christmas Day, and that's obviously Prometheus. So Ridley Scott returns to the franchise, and as we're recording this, it's actually his birthday tomorrow. So uh, a happy birthday to to the big man. So yeah. for those who haven't seen uh, Prometheus, a team of explorers discover a clue to the origin of mankind on Earth, leading them on a journey to the darkest corners of the universe. There, they must fight a terrifying battle to save the future of the human race. So I think it's it's a positive that we've got a Scott on this because they find one of the drawings in Scotland and they have Kate Dickey, wonderful Scottish actress in this. So yeah, go Scotland and, and Prometheus. So did you, was this a first time watch for, for you with Prometheus or a rewatch? No, it was, it was a rewatch. It was actually only my second watch of Prometheus, but it was a rewatch. Yeah, this was a rewatch for me. I've watched this kind of multiple times now. Like here in the the UK, like we've rarely had sort of kind of midnight features for the you know until kind of relatively recently in sort of history. Like it used to be a thing like the seventies and eighties, but it was never a thing where like you would have like the Thursday night previews that you do in America or like everything's guaranteed a big midnight release in America. Like Prometheus was one of the first movies I went to see at midnight, and I was incredibly hyped for this like talking about the marketing for enemy of the state i could not have been more hyped as an alien fan for prometheus those trailers the little mini films the return of ridley scott and i remember coming out of that movie being like oh that's not what i expected huh and then i went to see it kind of a couple days later in imax and i've kind of watched it kind of a multiple times since and what i kind of respect about the film and like about the film it's kind of some of the stuff we'll kind of touch on is the religious kind of christmas imagery that is there some of it's maybe a bit tenuous and a bit of a deep dive but i think it's a very interesting film where there's a lot going on but it's not necessarily always kind of successful yeah i watched this movie i couldn't actually tell you when i when i finally like watched it but for a long time i was never super interested in checking it out um i knew it was kind of well i actually thought it was much more tenuously connected to alien than it actually is like i thought it was it like had nothing to do with it aside from like the actual wayland corporation so i i just never really connected too much with alien it was just another piece of like the ridley scott filmography that eventually i was going to get to um, but when I did watch it, I did not like it. Like, I, I, I was not even like a, hmm, I don't know. I was like, this movie's bad. <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, I will say that I rewatched this just the other day and did a total 180. Like, I, I loved it. I was blown away by how much I had changed my perspective on it in the past few years. I loved it. What's changed for, for you this time, James? What has turned it from a, like... I hate this to I really quite like this. This is like blowing my mind. I think really, I mean, I think it's definitely something that seeing more than once is like required. I think you definitely have to do multiple viewings with it because it is a very weird type of movie. It's like um, definitely that much more kind of ponderous exploration of like those religious themes and that kind of existential question. And it's all of that packaged in a kind of alien-esque, kind of more traditional just space horror movie. And I think the first time I saw it, I was kind of like, okay, let's let's pick a side here. Let's do one of these things. And now I 100% agree that it doesn't all work. But 
for whatever reason, I guess just where I am right now as somebody watching movies, I was just a big fan of Ridley taking the swing. Even though it doesn't all work, yeah. I just enjoyed, now that I knew what I was getting into, uh, all those kind of wild choices he makes. I'd highly recommend, if you get the chance, if you've got it on like Blu-ray or digital, there's a fantastic feature-length documentary where like there's a fantastic scene where, like at the time, Damien Lindoff unsurprisingly received so much shit online mm-hmm. sort of for like what the hell happened to <laughs> well, his, his whole life that man's beginning shit online yeah then you watch this documentary and there's a fantastic scene where it's almost like you're watching the office where ridley scott's like why don't we put this into the script like it's a mad idea i can't remember i haven't watched it in so long and then it kind of the camera pans to damien lindelof just like what the fuck <laughs> just like scribbles like down some sort of note like how the hell am I going to get this into the script I mean that's why I kind of like about the film is that it swings I mean mm-hmm. in terms of like Christmas religious imagery the film is dripping with it and um, it's definitely more Christmassy than Enemy of the State I mean the fact is it takes place on Christmas day we have a Christmas tree that's the most on the nose part then you have this sterile woman with a sort of a Christian cross gives birth we go to meet our makers who hate us and there was this like fantastic popular theory at the time which i always thought was quite messy but was that basically if you look at the dates that the they lie or that they arrive on this planet that it's been sort of two thousand years sort of since like the engineers were last on earth and that times in with sort of like after the death of christ so that it's confirmed by Ridley Scott in, in 2012, this sort of theory that basically one of the engineers got sent down to Earth because things were like a bit of a mess. So these, one of these engineers was an emissary and the emissary was killed. Now, he wasn't necessarily killed. He was, in fact, crucified and that Jesus Christ is one of these engineers and that the reason that they are going to destroy earth is because they killed one of their emissaries in the form of jesus christ and they crucified him have you heard that sort of theory before or was this a bit of a new introduction to you i was very tangentially aware of it um i kind of assumed that i had to be missing some stuff in this movie to like imply that and so I did watch it with that in mind and still came to like the conclusion, I don't understand where that theory comes from. But uh, I was somewhat aware that it existed. Yeah, I've, I felt like it elevated a lot for me. Like I remember like at the time, just like diving into sort of these blogs sort of about sort of the Greek imagery, about sort of Prometheus and all these kind of concepts. And I just remember just sitting in a cafe one day, just reading this blog about like, that is absolutely mental that Jesus Christ is like an engineer. Like that is something that they are going with and that the reason they want to like kill earth is because like we crucified Jesus. I just think like it's one of these things like I respect things like this so much more sort of on repeat viewings because it it goes big with like these kind of concepts and ideas. And while I don't necessarily think it kind of works so well and it's maybe not necessarily clear on screen, I find it really interesting for 
reading up on it afterwards, rewatches, discussions. I think it's it's definitely more interesting than sort of Alien Covenant, which I've not felt compelled to to revisit. It felt it, that felt like a uh, that is a film, whereas Prometheus feels like a messy, interesting film that has something kind of bold going for it. I'm su- I'm like a hundred percent on board with you there. I mean, I did such a turn on Prometheus with this rewatch. I am kind of interested in giving Covenant another shot just to see if I kind of take the turn on it as well. Because I felt pretty much the same way I did leaving the theater with Covenant that I did when I watched Prometheus, which is I was just like, oh, that was just bad. But um, I definitely feel like I need to give Covenant another chance. But I definitely don't remember it being as uh, just balls to the wall as Prometheus, which is ultimately, I think, my favorite thing about the movie. Yeah, like it's one of the things. Like I've I've been really compelled to sort of revisit sort of Prometheus again for for a little while. As I said, I've kind of watched it a good few times, sort of, but but that was really back in around sort of the release time and, and home video. I was listening to sort of like the Screen Draft podcast. Um, I don't know if it's something you've ever listened to, but they sort of dived into sort of talking about sort of where these kind of films all, all land in their, in their drafts. Prometheus kind of ranked really highly, but sort of Alien Covenant, it's just one of those films that I don't think anyone's particularly enthused about. Like I think people are, there's scenes and ideas that work in the film, but when I think about it, I don't think of sort of like, it having the big ambition that Prometheus had with this imagery, I just think of it like, oh yeah, Ridley Scott had that slasher scene in the shower where like people are having sex and then get killed. Like it didn't have sort of the big ambitions perhaps that Prometheus did. Yeah, well, the thing for me is it doesn't even, and again, this is all in hindsight because I haven't seen it since it came out and I basically forgot most of it, but at least my memory of how I felt about it is that it didn't really feel like Ridley Scott. It definitely felt like somebody else coming in to take over another Alien movie, but it just didn't have that same sort of, like, I don't know. There's something very insular about a lot of Ridley Scott's work where he's it's like, he'll understand it and he doesn't care too much if other people do. But Covenant just played to, like, kind of the mass a lot more than I'm used to with his work. I'm so gutted, like, we're not going to see the end to this, like, trilogy. Like, I would love to see what they would have done next with that sort of third film and so on despite my misgivings on covenant like i wanted to see him see that trilogy through but i can't see disney throwing money at this kind of um franchise for a third movie and sort of a a very polarizing sort of trilogy i think because i was doing some reading on it obviously and after watching prometheus and i think that they've said that they're working on it like that they have gone ahead and told ridley to like start development but then again with disney i that doesn't really mean very much to me yeah like i think scott said like the script has been been written and it's, it's been around for years but it just kind of feels like that's it's got to the moment where it's just it's past now like i don't think we're going to get a christmas miracle to tie it all <laughs> back in with them like announcing like prometheus 3 or something like that it's, it's just disappointing I, i'm sure it'll come out one day on, or on some website that will get access to this kind of script or like here's the film and i'm sure on paper it will sound absolutely incredible um but yeah it, it's it's disappointing we're not going to kind of see that through but i felt like prometheus worked well on its own as sort of a, a singular film like i would have been quite happy with it not getting any any more sequels i i almost wish at the end they didn't have the sort of like the alien as such like i'm i more preferred the idea of it being a spiritual sequel than sort of like a direct tie-in or prequel yeah i actually like completely forgot 
about that even like after like i've seen the movie and i was just like okay yeah it's over and then they have the whole thing with the actual alien i was like wow i completely forgot that they like tied it in this blatantly and yeah i agree it doesn't really do much it definitely feels like uh something that might have gotten tacked on after like a preview screening or something yeah it's weird because like i'd forgotten about it as well when i was watching it like oh that's the ship off credits start to roll and then it's like fade to black couple of seconds and then there's like oh yeah there's the alien kind of scream like oh yeah like oh fair enough yeah it's a real the end question mark kind of moment so what do you kind of make of these as sort of like a double feature does it kind of work did you enjoy watching them as sort of like a a holiday season double feature um i'm (laughs) i mean to be real upfront, i think this would be i think as a just double feature like back to back this is an absolutely wild ride because tonally they are like complete opposites um but that being said i definitely think that there is actually really something fascinating about doing that because of the scott family connection i mean i don't know if you could really pick two movies that would better show kind of what different filmmakers the two of them were i mean you could definitely pick like pulpier tony scott movies but i don't know if necessarily a pulpier one would encapsulate a lot of like what he did and i think enemy of the state at the very least definitely feels like a tony scott movie and prometheus sure as hell feels like a ridley scott movie yeah, it feels like an interesting kind of double feature as well. Like Enemy of the State feels like sort of that kind of nineties movie, sort of like throwing money at kind of stars, big action, like it's very visceral. And then you sort of cut to like, you know, I think what, fourteen years later for sort of Prometheus, where it feels like sort of big blockbusters have changed. It's very kind of lore heavy, sort of building things. And like even sort of the pre-release of sort of like Prometheus, you have these mini movies, etc. It just feels like both are kind of quote unquote blockbusters, but are very sort of different. And when you look at sort of Prometheus at the time, like that's kind of how blockbusters were at the time. Everything tied into something else. Everything had bigger goals and plans, multi-platforms release. Whereas like Enemy of the State, like this is just your big blockbuster for probably the good few months before another one comes along where sort of Prometheus is fighting with a lot of other kind of films in and around sort of 2012. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a great point. That's a great way to look at it. Absolutely. So kind of you, we mentioned at the sort of top of the show, you've got your, your own podcast here on the network. I, I, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I'm like a friend of the shows or <laughs> network. Um, that's what I'm here to do. So I do not have a show to plug on on Talk Film Society. Um, is your kind of, your Steven Seagal podcast out yet? Or is that something we've got to kind of look forward to on sort of the, the Patreon or, or the feed in 2021? So you can definitely go on patreon.com slash talkfilmsociety and uh, check out the first 10 episodes. Uh, the, there, will be a, there will be a release on like the main podcast feed, but it's still kind of TBD when that's going to go down. Uh, me and my co-host Dylan have been watching a Steven Seagal movie pretty much every week since uh, the United States went into a pretty countrywide lockdown. So that was like a long time ago, many months ago. So we're just still racking them up, and eventually they will be heard. 
I cannot wait to see your letterbox stats at the the end of the year. Those are going to be pretty wild for for watching all these Steven Seagal films. I can't, I can't think about it because I take my letterbox stats too seriously, and I know that <laughs> at the end of this, he will be my most watched actor, and it breaks my heart. I know it doesn't matter. I know it's a metric that means nothing, but it like makes me genuinely sad to think about. <laughs> If you want to check out, like, I, I do a couple podcasts as well. One uh, called Filibuster, which is a general film and geek podcast. And for f- fans of Top Film Society, they might be more keen on the other one, which is the A24 Project, which we are kind of 90 episodes in now. Um, we go through the entire filmography of A24. So we've completed the films. We're now waiting for them to release more. And we're kind of looking at the sort of TV shows now. But along the way, we've had interviews with David Lowry, Robert Eggers, Trey Edwards schultz sterling k brown um, and people like that so so do check that out if you get the chance if you've completed sort of talk film society um but if people wanted to reach out to you and talk about buying what lingerie to buy for christmas or was jesus christ um sort of a an engineer i would love to see like christmas cards with like instead of white jesus on it engineer jesus like on people's mantelpiece and stuff like that i am determined like i want to see someone doing that as a christmas card um where can kind of people reach out to you on like social media james yeah so you can find me you can just find me at the Stephen destroy twitter which is at Stephen destroy uh s-t-e-v E-N, like Steven and Steven Seagal. Uh, and you can also send us emails at stephendestroypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can send us emails about anything. It can be about lingerie. It can be about Jesus, uh, engineer or not. You know, We'll take whatever emails you got. And you can find me on Twitter at Lee Hutchison underscore. So thanks very much to, to James for joining me. And I hope everyone that's listening has a wonderful holiday. Wear a mask and take care. All the best. Bye.